الحمد لله وكفاه سلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدي أنهم سبولنا سبحان ربك رب العزة عما صفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صلي على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صلي على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صلي على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم and the brothers can just tighten up the gathering There's a hadith that I had um, spoken about the last couple of days, um, and I mentioned it in the Jum'ah Khutbah as well, and I thought it would just be helpful to reflect upon this a bit more. So there's a very interesting narration that comes toward the end of the life of the Prophet Wasallam. So, as I had mentioned before, the final days of the Prophet Wasallam, it was a very difficult time for the city of Medina Munawwara. And the Sahaba collectively had a lot of difficulty in those final days, just internally, and even immediately after the Prophet had passed away. Because the reality is, although this Ummah, not just this Ummah, but believers through the, since the beginning of time have faced a lot of difficulties, the scholars say that the biggest difficulty or tragedy this, this Ummah ever experienced was the passing of the Prophet There's so many reasons for this. Uh, on the one hand, you have the, mer- the mercy to mankind, who is the reason of so much benefit for the lives of the people around him, now being taken back to Allah Ta'ala, and the question arises in their mind, you know, what's life going to be like moving forward? You know, uh, from another perspective, uh, while the Prophet was alive, the Sahaba were having direct, a, a direct connection with Allah. I mean, some challenge, some predicament would come their way. They, need, they have an, uh, an answer. They have a question that needs to be answered. And Allah Ta'ala just sends them wahi down and problem solved. I mean, think about it. In this day and age, if we had the ability to receive direct wahi from Allah, what an incredible blessing that would be. You know, all these debates and discussions and challenges that we have, they would just come to an end because Allah Ta'ala would just settle the matter for us in a moment. So imagine what life must have been like at that time. And now they're seeing the Prophet Wasallam's sickness becoming so severe that they almost sense that this was the end of his time as well. It's a very difficult time. As the Prophet Wasallam became ill, his illness lasted maybe about a week or so, soon after he had come back from his hajj, and he developed this very severe headache. He had a very high te- fever and temperature. And he was sort of progressively deteriorating. Eventually, he became sort of physically weak where he couldn't hold himself up. And leading up to maybe a day or two before the Prophet passed away. The morning before the Prophet passed away, he was in his house, the house of Aisha. And you can imagine the way the house was set up, it was just adjacent to the masjid. So imagine this is Masjid Nabawi, and where the Imam stands is right here. The Prophet's house would be somewhere where that wall is, maybe a little bit behind that, past that wall. So very close by. The Sahaba had a very close eye on what was happening in that home because they knew the best of creation, their best friend, their uh, beloved was, was, was sort of in his final moments. Now, about 24 hours before he passed away, people were coming and visiting him as much as they could. 24 hours before 
the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ, Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, comes and she enters upon the Prophet ﷺ. She comes into the home, and the Prophet ﷺ knows that she's there. Again, he's like, at this point, he's sort of in and out of consciousness, very sick, very ill. Um, the ummah as a whole is just collectively so sad. You can almost sense this sort of sadness falling over. So Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha walks in, and the Prophet ﷺ knows that she walks in, he notices her, and he says to her, welcome. Welcome, my daughter. Welcome. And he sort of, in, he sort of gestured for her to come close to him. Aisha radiallahu anha, she narrates this hadith. So she comes very close to the Prophet ﷺ, and the Prophet ﷺ brings her near, and he says something to her, like in her ear. He whispers something to the, to the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ. And when she hears this, and this is the narration that I'm, that I'm mentioning, she begins to cry. She begins to cry like so profusely, uh, and Aisha is witnessing this. She's seeing the, the, the face of the, of, of the daughter of the Prophet change so much. And then the Prophet looks at Fatima and he calls her back in, like meaning he gestures toward her, and he whispers something again in her ear. And this time, Fatima anha begins to smile. She begins to smile so widely uh, that all of her grief from just a moment ago completely vanished and disappeared. In fact, Aisha, she mentions the narration. This narration is in Sahih Bukhari. She mentions in the narration uh, that I had never seen anyone have this degree of grief and then moments later be completely flipped or trans- transformed into this degree of happiness and contentment. Never seen it. And think about it. We're talking about Aisha. So much hadith comes from her. So much Islam comes from her. So much of life's experience that we have comes from her. And she says in her life she'd never witnessed someone have this complete flip. So she wanted to know from Fatima, what did the Prophet tell you that made you change so dramatically? Um, And Fatima said that she wouldn't reveal the secret of the Prophet to anyone. Now, much later... After the Prophet passed away, about 24 hours later, the Prophet passes away. And we sort of know the, the protocol that occurred afterward. And after she passed, he passed away, Aisha anha then asked Fatima, so tell me, what did he say that caused you to be so happy one moment? And then just a few moments later, he said something to, sorry, uh, so sad initially, a few moments later he says something and then you be, your, your whole facial expression changes, you're happy, you're ecstatic, you're, you're just in a completely different mood. What, what was it? So Fatima radiallahu anha, she tells Aisha radiallahu anha. And what's beautiful is that Aisha then relates it to all of us so that we can hear what did the Prophet tell her in these final moments of his life. So Fatima, she says that when he called me in the first time, he said to me that Jibreel alayhi salam uh, reviews the Quran with me once every year. Jibreel reviews the Qur'an with me once every year. But this year, he reviewed the Qur'an with me twice. And so because of this, I think that this is perhaps my end. Look, so the way it would work is that Jibreel would bring revelation down, and once a year, he would sit with the Prophet and the entire Qur'an would be revised once a year. This year... The Prophet says that this happened twice, so much to suggest that, you know, if, if, if Wahi is not coming to a close, it's come to a close, we need to ensure that this Qur'an is perfect, the revelation that's come down, he reviewed the Qur'an with me twice, make sure there's no gaps, which hints to me that my time is now coming to a close. And bear in mind, although, you know, the Sahaba knew the Prophet was very sick, and there were many 
ishaarat. There were so many um, suggestions that the Prophet was going to leave this world, but the Sahaba did not want to believe it. And the family Prophet did not want to accept this because they couldn't imagine him leaving this world. So although those signs were there, they weren't ready to accept it. Now when the Prophet says this to her, reality hits her. Reality hits her that, you know what? My father is leaving this world. And then she says that when he brought me in a second time, he whispered in my ear that wouldn't it please you to know that you will be the queen from, of the women of Jannah. Won't it please you to know, like I've just given you news, that's this terrible news, right? This terrible news that this is the end. But let me, let me share some more news with you. That wouldn't it please you to know that you will be the queen of the women of Jannah. And so she becomes just ecstatic. She's smiling. She's happy because of this news that came to her. Now, there's so many lessons to take from this hadith. And I, I pulled I, a couple that I had mentioned in, in the Friday khutbah, but I just want to bring it back here for all of us today. The first thing to take from this is look at the um, circumstance in which this occurs. Right? The Prophet is bringing in his daughter, Fatima. And he's telling her this news that he's going to leave, and she becomes so sad and in such grief that she begins to just cry. But look, look at the human side to this. This is the father telling his daughter that my time is coming to a close. But look at also the, the relationship. Now Fatima radiallahu anha, she's basically getting this news from her father who's now the final living member of her household. Right? Fatima, her mother Khadija passed away when she was just a few years old. Right? Fatima, three of her sisters passed away already before her and they were in their upper 20s, you can say. Zainab, Ruqayya, Umm Kulthum. Fatima, three of her brothers passed away. And they were just uh, maybe a few years old. Infants and maybe a few years old. Three brothers, three sisters, and her mother has passed away. The only person left in her family is her father, who is a Prophet So imagine the father telling the daughter, in this circumstance, everyone's already left you. You've already faced tragedy time and time and time again. Bear in mind, Fatima at this time, she's in her late 20s. She's not 60 or 70 years old expecting that my family's all going to leave. She's, not, she's young. She's in her late 20s, younger than most of us. And so she's hearing this from her father. Essentially what he's saying is the last of your family is going to leave. You will be alone. So she, of course, begins to cry. Right? Now look at it from the other perspective as well. And, and I think this is what the, the, the lesson is to take from this. Like, we don't really appreciate how much the Prophet ﷺ went through. We don't really appreciate how much the Prophet ﷺ went through. Because I just described it to you from the perspective of Fatima. Look at it from the perspective of the Prophet ﷺ. Right? This is a man who went through a lot of difficulty. And we hear this all the time. His early days in Mecca, he was tortured, physically beaten, verbally abused. His friends were tortured. He, his whole community in the early days of Mecca were, 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 were treated very poorly. The Prophet eventually leads to places like Ta'if, treated very poorly as well, physically assaulted there. The Prophet and his family are boycotted for a period of time, and they're actually sent to the valley of Banu Sheba. So, I mean, you're just talking, we've, we've heard so much of the sacrifices of the Prophet but then on top of those sacrifices that he made for Deen, look at the tragedies that just befell his own household. 
What person can say that I, at a, young, from, uh, at a relatively young age in my life, lost both my parents, lost my wife, and I've lost six of my children? Which, which human being can say that? And it's not something that we pay much attention to. Think about it. I mean, we don't, this doesn't go through our mind. We think of the Apostle mercy to mankind, someone we love, someone who we aspire to be like, someone whose sunnah we seek to follow, someone who went through so much difficulty at the hands of the Quraysh, right? All of these things, so many battles that he had to defend the ummah against. We understand all of this. But on top of this, we're talking about a person who in his own personal life was born without a father, meaning his father passed away before he had come into this world. His mother was, was expecting. His mother passed away when he was six years old. So he was an orphan. He was an orphan. That in and of itself is enough tragedy. Anyone knows that an orphan in this world is given a lot of attention, at least deserves a lot of attention because they've gone through enough. Everyone recognizes that. On top of that, he, the Prophet is young. He has at this point, you know, six kids, or at least six kids, and his wife Khadija radiallahu anha passes away. And she doesn't just pass away because of old age. She wasn't old. She passed away because of the torment that she had faced from the boycott that they had placed upon the Muslims. So that was one of the effects of her passing away, at least as scholars mention. So now you're talking about someone who's lost both parents, lost his wife, and now he's left to raise all his children by himself, no mother for the children. And then, it, before, it, before his very eyes, he loses three of his sons. Three of his sons. At a young age, under the age of ten, all three sons. And he loses three of his daughters, all under or around the age of thirty or under. All of this happened to the Prophet It's incredible that this person went through so much difficulty not just to spread deen, but on top of that, just in terms of his personal life, to the degree that we don't even know people that have gone through this. Now, what, but what, what do we take from this? Meaning, look, the Prophet is the model for mankind. And we know that Allah Ta'ala specifically designed his circumstance and situation in a particular way. He could have made the Prophet someone who didn't have <clears throat> the loss of any loved ones. He didn't have to have the Prophet be an orphan. He didn't have the Prophet have to be someone who lost so many of his children or someone who lost his spouse. <coughs> that wasn't necessary. But it was carefully done by Allah subhanahu It was carefully designed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what's the wisdom behind this? And there's two things that come to, come to mind. Right? Why the Prophet have to be placed in such a difficult scenario? The first is that the Prophet is the model for, for every human being. Which means that when a human being goes through difficulty or goes through tribulation or goes through a trial, the <clears throat> source of guidance for this is going to be the Prophet. The source of guidance, like if, if I, for instance, undergo some tragedy or some difficulty, you know, be it the loss of a child, be it the loss of a parent, be it the loss of a loved one or a neighbor or whatnot. Of ultimately, for me to know what my reaction and my response should be, I'm going to look to the Prophet because he's the source of guidance for everything. Whether it's tragedy, whether it's opportunity, whether it's whatever situation or scenario, it's going to be the Prophet. So, so now, if the Prophet was someone who didn't experience this degree of tragedy in his own life, and he had to make recommendations for all of us, someone could raise the question well, he doesn't really understand. 
He doesn't really understand what I'm going through, right? In this day and age, if let's say someone loses a loved one, someone loses a spouse, and the whole community comes to that person and says, you know, it must be very difficult, but be patient, right? Be patient, get through this. You'll get through this. Allah is with you. In that person's mind, they must be thinking, how do you know? Like, how do you know what it must feel like to be in my shoes? Who are you to tell me? Who are you to tell me that just be patient? It's straightforward. You'll get through this. Allah is with you. It's difficult, right? I mean, and unless you're on the receiving end of this, it's sometimes you're in that situation, you're like, everyone's just like bombarding me with this advice and recommend and things I should do. But I mean, <clears throat> you don't really know what I'm going through. You don't really know unless you've gone through it yourself. Right? This is why if someone, you know, has a, a, a child that's passed away, the only person that can ever truly relate to them is someone else who's lost a child and can then say, I understand what you're going through. Otherwise, the rest of us, we have no idea. We have, no matter what book we read, no matter what counseling sessions we've studied, it makes no difference unless we've gone through that tragedy ourselves, we won't be able to relate. So, in the Prophet is this perfect example. So that if someone's gone through the tragedy of losing a loved one, a parent, or a sibling, or a child, they can't say, when the Prophet gives them a suggestion or advice, who are you to tell me? Because the Prophet himself went through it. He went through every possible tragedy and difficulty that we can imagine. Be it the loss of a parent from a young age, a loss of a spouse, loss of a child, loss of, and he was an only child, by the way, so he didn't have siblings to depend upon. The physical torture, verbal abuse, communal torture, I mean, you name it, whatever tribulation a person can think of, the Prophet ﷺ went through it. And he went through it so that no person from the ummah of the Prophet will ever be able to say in response to advice coming from Allah or the Prophet that what do you know? Or how could you tell me this? Of course he can say this. He's received revelation from Allah. But in addition to that, he himself has gone through it all. He himself has gone through it all. So it's this perfect model that we look to and, and we're so blessed to be able to have him as our model. Now, that's the first thing to, to take from this, right? The first rationale behind why the Prophet ﷺ, you know, had gone through so much uh, for us. So that no one from the Ummah of the Prophet ﷺ can ever, can ever say, you know, can ever have a negative reaction to this. <clears throat> we accept it. The second, very interesting if you think about it, is that in this day and age, you and I, we make excuses constantly when it comes to our deen. Right? We make excuses constantly when it comes to our deen. You know, whether it be coming to the masjid, whether it be reading Qur'an, whether it be serving the community, whether it be helping the poor. We have numerous excuses, right? Because, oh, but the situation I'm in is such that I can't do this, right? I'm, right at this point in time, <clears throat> my studies are just overwhelming me. I won't be able to do this. Whatever, you know, excuses that we sort of come up with. And through this we learn, the Prophet if anyone was to have the right or has, has the right to an excuse to say, I'm either too busy or too overwhelmed or I've gone through, through too much to be able to serve Allah and Allah's creation, it would be none other than the Prophet Right? I mean, the fact that I just told you all, I mean, when we think about Prophet the first thing that comes to mind is what? His mission, the message that he brought down. We don't think, oh yeah, this is the person who lost eight or nine family members. That's not the first thing that comes to mind. The first thing that comes to mind is, this is the person who had to fulfill the mission of Allah. 
He, that was his primary responsibility. And the primary responsibility of every human being is the same. It's to fulfill the mission of Allah, which is to obey Allah and obey the Prophet for as long as we exist in this world. And so, although, so, so that's, our, that's our mission as well. Now the Prophet went through so much and in spite of going through so much, he still was able to fulfill the mission because that's what's resounding in our ears, in our minds. That's always what we're thinking about, the mission, the mission, the mission. So in spite of the challenges the Prophet faced at a communal level for the Ummah, but even at an individual level, it reminds us that we don't have an excuse either. Yes, this life is such that difficulties are going to come our way. Trials are going to come our way. Opportunities are going to come our way. There's going to be periods of happiness and space. And there's going to be periods of grief and constriction. And this is just a part of life. I mean, you start at here, you're going to end, you know, you start here, you're going to end your life here. And along the way, this is, this is what it's going to look like. It's like this. It's not a straight path. This is what it's going to look like. And then you get an attack from here and a trial from here and a tribulation from here. But that doesn't change the fact that through all of this, ultimately my mission is to please Allah and please the Prophet and, and obey Allah and obey the Prophet. So this is the Prophet, we're indirectly learning from this as well. That although life may present itself with difficulties, and sometimes they may sort of come in the way of us making progress to Allah, ultimately the Prophet is teaching us that those are there. They're going to come and go. But ultimately, regardless of my situation or my circumstance, ultimately my goal is to attain the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is shown because, look, if the Prophet was someone who didn't go through difficulty, and I just mentioned this, right? He's the model. He's who we're looking to. If the Prophet did not go through difficulty, and he is the source of guidance and counsel through tribulation for every human being, if he didn't go through difficulty, we would say, hmm, I appreciate the advice, but I'm not sure, I'm not sure if I can relate, or you can relate. That's, that's this. On the other direction, Prophet did not go through difficulty, and he's telling every single human being to strive as hard as they can in this world for the pleasure of Allah. But his life was easy. That we could look and say, you know what? <clears throat> My life is difficult. Based off of what I'm going through, I should be cut some slack. The excuses that I have... To, to hold myself back in my deen, they're valid. But the Prophet ﷺ, being someone who's gone through so much is in, is in his own life, him being the model, is saying, even if life is difficult, even if life is a challenge, ultimately the purpose is Allah Ta'ala, no one can look at the Prophet ﷺ and say, of course you're going to fulfill the mission because your life was easy. It's the opposite. You filled your, you, in spite of your life being so difficult, you fulfilled this mission. So it's important for us to appreciate this. So <clears throat> that the Prophet ﷺ was such a perfect human being and he was designed to be a mercy and a source of guidance for the ummah until the end of time. And because of the individual trials and tribulations the Prophet ﷺ went through, he became even a, a, an even more perfect source of guidance and counsel for all of us. Eliminated the possibility of us not being able to go through difficulty and tribulation because ultimately his guidance in this is more valuable than any counselor. And because he's gone through so much difficulty, it eliminates the possibility of excuses that any of us can make. So Fatima radiallahu anha, so he whispers this in the ear of the Fatima radiallahu anha, 
And then he whispers a second time, the second statement, which was that, wouldn't it please you to know that you will be from the queen of Jannah? And she smiled so ecstatically. And then within 24 hours or so later, the Prophet's illness overcame him and he breathes his last breath. So, the summary for today is that we have a perfect example in the Prophet. And it's important for us to appreciate that this individual went through so much in his life and yet never did he ever complain about his circumstance. Never did he ever complain about the challenges that came his way, the tribulations that he faced. His eyes were on the ummah, which was serving as a source of guidance for the ummah, and his eyes were on fulfilling the mission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And his daughter, similarly, Fatima radiallahu anha, she also has the right to be able to speak up. But she, not even the age of 30, having lost so many family members, did not complain about her situation or circumstance. But rather, when she heard that Jannah was her final destination, her complete perspective on all of the difficulties that she experienced, including now this difficulty of her final, the final person of her household, her father, the Prophet was going to pass away, brought her complete joy as well. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq to appreciate the, uh, the, the, the realities, uh, appreciate the final moments of the life of the Prophet May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to, um, to, to continuously send salat and salam on the Prophet May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, protect us from ever being from amongst those who are ungrateful toward him and ever being from amongst those who uh, lose sight of the real mission of this world.